to open our gospel evening service to the hymn 310. Redeemed how love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child and forever I am. Standing while we sing our opening hymn, please. <laughs> Unite our hearts together in prayer. Let's all seek the Lord's face in prayer. And when we're still in the Lord's presence, we're going to ask one of our elders, Sir Wesley Macaulay, to come and to lead us to the throne of grace in prayer, please. Let us all pray. Let us all pray. Our Heavenly Father and Eternal God, we 
bow before thee right at the very commencement of our gospel service this evening and we thank thee for the privilege of being able to meet together in thy house lord we come reverently before thee and we come humbly because we realize that thou art god oh lord we heard this morning about how thou art the king of glory no lord we realize that we are sinful lord we were born in sin and shaping in iniquity but yet lord we thank thee that we can come boldly into thy presence tonight through the savior through the precious blood that he shed for us on calvary and so lord with his name upon our lips tonight lord we come and we ask and we plead lord for a real sense of thy presence to be amongst us oh lord we thank thee for the opportunity of for the preaching of the gospel here in thy house tonight lord we pray that you will speak to each of our hearts as we sing the praise as rebecca comes to sing those gospel pieces to us but especially lord as thy word is read and preached tonight oh lord we pray that you will speak to every heart we pray for our brother who has come into our midst pastor lyle we pray lord that thou wilt be with him that thou wilt give him the help that he needs we thank thee for his ministry and how he has been a blessing to this congregation in the past and oh lord we pray that tonight you will give him the help of god lord we thank thee for every soul in this meeting tonight who can look back to a time when they came to christ they accepted christ as their savior though lord they come came and they knew the peace and the joy that salvation <laughs> brings but oh lord we realize there may be those in our building tonight and we are so glad to have them with us but lord they have not come to that place oh lord they have not accepted thee as their savior and lord we pray particularly for them tonight that as the gospel message goes forth that message that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son oh lord as that message goes forth you will speak to them particularly and oh lord that you might enable them to come to christ tonight and seek him for salvation lord what we pray for here in hebron tonight we pray for right across our land where in many meeting places thy word will be proclaimed tonight oh lord we pray that thou wilt bless everywhere where the gospel is preached we thank also lord for the group that are out in romania we pray lord that thou wilt be with them and there as they meet together tonight lord that thou wilt bless them and they will be a blessing to those that they minister to so lord come and continue with us bless us and do us good for we ask it for thy name's sake amen thank you wesley we're going to turn to the hymn 351 when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea Bellows Road. Standing again while we sing, please let's sing our very best. <clears throat>
trust you can sing that from a heart of faith. It's well. It's well with your soul. Delighted to have our sister Rebecca with us tonight. I'm going to ask her to come now and to bring her first two messages in song, please. Rebecca, thank you.
good to know this God is our God, the one who is the Ancient of Days. Trust the Lord will bless those messages in song to all our hearts, and Rebecca will come back in a few moments to sing to us again. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name to our evening gospel service. Thank you for coming. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. If you're visiting with us, we trust that you know the Lord's blessing and that you'll come back again and that you'll continue to fellowship with us here at Hebron. Do you remember there will be refreshments served uh, after the evening service and if you can stay please do stay with us and enjoy the time of fellowship and welcoming those who are in the building we also welcome those who are in sermon audio facebook uh, or any other medium that you're watching this uh, service on we trust and pray that you will be blessed in your own heart monday commences with the hebron tots at 10 a.m Tuesday, we have the return of the mission team from Romania. Do you remember the team as they travel home? They'll continue to know the Lord's presence with them. Wednesday morning sees the harvest service for our Christian school at 10 a.m. If you can come and be part of that service, I know that our teachers and staff and pupils and parents will be delighted to see you. That's at 10 a.m. in the Carson Complex. Uh, on uh, Wednesday morning. Then on Wednesday evening at 8pm for the members of the school committee there'll be a committee meeting uh, on that evening. Thursday is our mid midweek service and those who were in Romania will be giving a report 
and I'm sure they'll all be looking forward to that. And now that it's announced, they can't get out of it, and so we trust that uh, the Lord will bless them as they come on Thursday evening to give a report from the time they've spent in Romania. Reverend Parks preaching in Yutnards, the special prayer uh, on Thursday night will be for the missionary work and for revival. Friday evening is the Youth Fellowship at 8 p.m. Speaker will be our old minister, the Reverend Park. Next Lord's Day commences as always with the early time of prayer. I think we had this morning a very good season of prayer. I think we felt the Lord's presence and our brother Jonathan brought a very appropriate word. And so we trust that the Lord will encourage us all to continue to pray. And if you can make it at the early morning prayer meeting, I know your presence will be much appreciated. Sunday school, 10.30 a.m., Bible class, 10.45, we'll continue our studies in Acts 17, uh, Answers for Perilous Times, and next Lord's Day morning we want to deal with the subject of refuting racism, and I trust that you'll remember us as we bring that word next Lord's Day morning. The worship service at 12 noon, Reverend Park will be back again to minister God's word and he'll also be back in the evening time at 7pm the time of prayer 6.30 come and pray that the Lord will bless the preaching of his word. As we said this morning we remember those who mourn we extend our sympathy to our sister Hazel Fenton on the passing of her husband Trevor to pray for the family, pray for the word that was preached faithfully at the service, the funeral service both at the home and also at the graveside this afternoon. We continue to remember the Taggart family that have suffered uh, a great loss in the sudden death uh, of Mr. Bert Taggart. We do remember that family as they mourn at this time of great sadness. Our offering hymn is the hymn 102. Come sinner, behold what Jesus hath done. Behold how he suffered for thee. We'll remain seated for the opening verses of the hymn while their evening tithe and offering is lifted, please. <clears throat>
I'll ask Rebecca to come and to bring her final message and so
thank you for your ministry and song, and we trust that the Lord will bless those pieces to our hearts. In welcoming you all, I want also to welcome tonight our dear brother Peter Moy. See Peter down there. Brother, it's good to see you. Continue to remember you in prayer, and it's good that you've made the effort to be with us tonight. Trust that we'll continue to keep you at the throne of grace in prayer. It is a joy to welcome our preacher for this evening in the person of Pastor Dennis Lyle. Brother Jonathan at the prayer meeting the other night called him the Reverend Dennis Lyle. Well, we might ordain him again, uh, but uh, apart from that, he is a dear, beloved friend, and we in this congregation have enjoyed much of his ministry, uh, not only in the spoken word, but in the written word down through the years. And brother, you and your dear wife are always welcome, you know, here in Hebron, and we're going to ask you now to come and to read God's word and to preach the gospel. He's asked me to set this thing down out of the road, and I'm just going to do what I'm told for a change. There you are, my brother. God bless you. The Acts of the Apostles, please, chapter 16, and the verse 25. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, and the verse 25. I want to thank Mervyn for his kind words of welcome it's, also, it's always a joy to be in Hebron and to have the opportunity of ministering the Word of God and especially tonight of preaching the gospel. And I want to thank your pastor for his uh, invitation. We have been remembering him and the group in Romania in these days in prayer, and we trust that the Lord will bless them as they make their way home this evening or tomorrow or Tuesday, that the Lord's hand will be upon them. I did ask them also if I could put just a couple of cards in the porch there of a couple of trips that I'm doing. I, I always announce trips that I'm doing to Israel, but this is not to Israel, but it's more local. In fact, one of them is to the south of England. Uh, Catherine and I were recently down uh, preaching in Lewis Free Presbyterian Church. And for those of you who don't know where that is, that's away down near Brighton, and it's one of your churches down there, and the Reverend Ferguson had asked me to go down for the weekend. And after we had finished uh, that weekend, that Sunday and Monday, we went down to Eastbourne for a couple of days break there. And uh, if you didn't know, that's where Dr. Paisley always had his holidays in Eastbourne. And while we were there, we stayed at this hotel, and we booked it for next year for a group holiday, and there's some details of that uh, in the porch there this evening. So please take one of these cards. The cards are free. Unfortunately, you have to pay for the holiday. But it's lovely to be with you, and thank you, Rebecca, for your sweet ministry and song. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, and we're reading, please, at verse 25, before we, look, before we read God's Word. Let's just bow in a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for the grace of God. We thank you for the intervention of God in our lives. We realize, Lord, tonight that if left to ourselves, we would still be on the mortuary slab. But we thank you for the quickening power of the Spirit of God. And we thank you, Lord, tonight that what you've done for us, you can do for others in this meeting tonight. Those who are still unsaved, those who are still unreached, those who are still unprepared to meet the Lord. We ask our Father that you might be pleased to take your word just now. We thank you for the sweet ministry and song. Lord, as we come to thy word just now, 
We pray that we might know that fresh filling, that fresh empowering, that energizing ministry of the Spirit of God, that the Word of the Lord might have free course in our midst and be glorified. We ask it for Christ's sake. Amen. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, and the verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he sat meet before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. When it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go, but now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privily, nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeant told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to part out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Ending in verse 40, And may the Lord stamp his blessing upon the reading of his own inspired and inerrant word. When it comes to asking questions, children are in a class of their own. I heard about a little seven-year-old girl in America that came to her father one day and she said, Dad, where did I come from? The father knew that the time had come that he, that he needed to explain some things to his daughter, an hour for which he had carefully prepared. And so he took his daughter into the living room and he brought out this large encyclopedia and some other books, and he proceeded into a lengthy explanation of the facts of life. And finally, he looked into his daughter's face, and he said to her, does that answer your question? Not really, she said. Marcia said she came from the city of Detroit, and I wanted to know where I came from. You see, my dear friends, when we read the Word of God, we find several questions asked by various people, and even the Lord Jesus himself. Tonight I want us to look at what I'm calling the question of the ages. It was a question that was asked by the Philippian jailer. It's found in Acts 16 and the verse 38. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Clovis Chapel, the great American preacher, says of this man, he asked the biggest question that ever fell from human lips. There can be no greater it was the greatest for him. It's the greatest for me. It's the greatest for you. What must I do to be saved? 
there is no question as great as this one. I wonder, can you picture this scene in your mind's eye? Paul and Silas, the servants of God, they have been unjustly charged. They have been cruelly beaten. They have been finally imprisoned. I mean, can you see them? Can you visualize them in your mind's eye? Their wounds are bleeding. Their backs are sore. Their feet are fastened in the stocks. All around them are the outcasts of society. No running water. No such thing as a toilet. Can you imagine it? The rats, the lights, the vermin, the stench would be unbearable. And yet, what are these two men doing? Are they grumbling? Are they complaining? Are they questioning the will of God? No, they're praying, they're singing, they're witnessing. In fact, they make such an impact upon the jailer that he comes trembling before them and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The identity of this man is undisclosed. All that we know about him is that he's a jailer. He's described in two occasions as the keeper of the prison. As a civil servant of Rome, he was probably a hard, cold, callous, brutal man. But here we see him trembling for his life. Here we see this hard sinner on his knees asking to be saved. What was it that brought this cold, heartless, calloused, hard sinner to the point where he was begging for salvation. How did God work in the life of this man to bring him to the place of asking, what must I do to be saved? I want you to look at that question with me this evening in verse number 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want you to notice three simple things about it. First of all, I want you to notice what I'm calling the awakening of this question. The awakening of this question. If you look at verse 27, we read, And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep. That was a natural awakening. But when he cried, What must I do to be saved? That was a spiritual awakening. What was it that awakened, that prompted, that incited this question in the soul of this, in the soul of this man? You see, searching hearts, my friend, are always the result of stirred hearts. No one ever turns to the Lord for salvation until they first feel their need to be saved. Here was a man who had a sense of conviction. You say, what's conviction? It's an awakened consciousness of sin. It's sensing your need of Jesus Christ. No one ever cries, what must I do to be saved? until they sense their need of the Lord Jesus. God begins to work in our heart. He convicts us of our sin. He makes us sense our need of Christ. I wonder tonight, has God been working in your heart? I wonder, do you feel unclean because of your sin? Do you feel depraved because of your depravity? Do you sense your need tonight, your desperate need of Jesus Christ? You know, my dear friends, the Lord often uses means to bring us to that place where we cry out, Lord, sirs, what must I do to be saved? If you look at this passage, you'll notice that, first of all, God used the means of preaching. He used the means of preaching. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and applies the truth of God so that we cry out, what must I do to be saved? Now, that's implicit in the passage. 
For when the jailer came in and said, what must I do to be saved? That means that he had been preconditioned to be saved. He knew there was something called salvation, and he knew that Paul and Silas, the servants of God, knew how to be saved. That tells me that they had already witnessed to him. I wonder, was it something like this? When they were beating Paul and Silas, I wonder, did they say, do you see these wounds? These wounds remind us of the wounds of the Lord Jesus. Jailer, do you see these stripes? By his stripes we are healed. And when they shoved Paul and Silas into that inner dungeon, they may have said, look, you're putting us into this dungeon, but we're only going to be here for a little while. Jailer, there's another dungeon called hell, and those who don't know Christ as Savior will spend eternity in this place called hell. Sir, we know that you're only obeying orders, but we want you to know that God loves you. And Christ died for your sins, and we'll be praying all night that you'll come to that place where you'll trust Christ as your Savior. I know they witnessed to this jailer because he came in trembling and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wonder, dear friend, if someone got, shared God's way of salvation to you. That person in the office, that Christian relative, that unsaved friend who shoved that gospel track into your, into your hand. Certainly from this pulpit, you know God's way of salvation. I wonder tonight, has the gospel disturbed you? Has it awakened you? Are you at the place tonight where you're ready to cry out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? God used the means of preaching something else. God used the means of people. How would you feel tonight? If someone told lies about you, and as a result of those lies, you were beaten, you were imprisoned, you were cast incarcerated, you were cast into a dirty old prison, would you not be on to the European Court of Human Rights? Do you see Paul and Silas here? Do you see what they're doing? They're praying, and they're singing, and they're praising God. I mean, this jailer had never met prisoners like this before. Here he was guarding a couple of extraordinary prisoners. Instead of moaning and groaning, here they were, they were singing, they were praying, they were praising God. Look at these prisoners for a moment. You see, my friends, the fact that these two men were rejoicing in the midst of their trials brought conviction to the heart of the jailer. I wonder if you've been impressed by the reaction of the genuine Christian in the midst of their trial. I wonder, have you met someone recently, someone in hospital, someone at home, and they've been passing through a deep trial, they've been experiencing a deep burden, and there's still peace in their heart, and there's praise on their lips? I wonder, have you met someone recently, and they've gone through that period of sorrow, they've gone through that period of bereavement, and their heart is breaking, and their world has been shattered, and yet they've been given grace to say, the Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I wonder, have you been confronted with the reality of Christianity in the life of someone you know? Someone who's been changed by the grace of God. Someone who's got new aspirations and new desires and new interests and new tastes. 
Here was God using the means of preaching. Here was God using the means of people, but something else. Here was God using the means of pressure. I wonder, dear sinner friend tonight, will God have to send an earthquake into your life before you realize your desperate need of Jesus Christ. You know, my dear friends, there was jailhouse rock at Philippi, for the God who made the earth shook it. And he shakes this place, he shakes this prison in order that he might shake this person. Does the Lord not work the same today? Sometimes God uses a crisis at work. I wonder, am I speaking to someone and you've lost your job recently. Is the Lord showing you the transience of wealth? I wonder, has that pressure been so great upon you that you've even committed contemplating suicide? Sometimes God uses a pressure at work. Sometimes God uses a pressure at home to make you sit up and get you seeing life in its true perspective. The Lord used the death of a friend to get Adoram Justin, that great American missionary to Burma, to bring him to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Justin grew up in a godly home like many of you. He went to college, and during those college days, he became friends with a deist, a man who believed in human reasoning, a man by the name of Jacob Eames. And his influence affected him so much that Adoram Justin confessed to being a free thinker, an unbeliever just like Eames. After his college days, Justin decided to spend some time traveling. One evening he booked himself into an old country inn, and the only room that was available, said the innkeeper, was beside a man who was seriously ill. In fact, he could be dying. Justin said that was no concern to him, and he took the room all night long. He heard the groans of the dying. He heard footsteps coming and going. He heard the muttering of low voices. And Justin suddenly found himself thinking about death and, and what followed. And he began to think about his own death. And he rebuked himself for how he was feeling. And he thought of his friend Jacob Eames. What would he say if he knew how he was thinking and how he was feeling? He imagined Jacob Eames laughing at him. And the next morning as he left the inn, he asked the innkeeper about the man in the room beside him. Oh, he said, sir, he died early this morning. Do you know his name? Yes, said the innkeeper. He was a young man from Providence College, he was a very fine fellow. His name was Jacob Eames. Judson was stunned. And in the hours that followed, two words kept ringing in his heart and his ear and his soul. Dead and lost. Dead and lost. And the Lord used that experience to bring Adoram Justin to faith in Jesus Christ. My friend, tonight I ask you, has God been working in your heart? Has God spoken to you 
through the tragic death of that friend, through one means or another, has the Lord been bringing you to the place where you're ready to cry out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice the awakening of this question. And then notice in the second place, very simply, the asking of this question. You see, the jailer's on his knees now. He's crying before Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? My friend, that's a crucial question. Could anything be more important than being saved? My friends, when we talk about the matter of being saved, what do we mean? Well, this word saved means deliverance. It means deliverance from trouble. But the jailer's not thinking about temporal deliverance. He's not thinking about deliverance from the jailhouse. He's thinking about spiritual deliverance. You see, tonight to be saved means that you're saved from the guilt of sin. You're saved from the power of sin. You're saved from the very penalty of sin itself. My friend, tonight to be saved is to be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It's to be saved from the very caverns of the damned. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, was a little boy. One night the family house caught fire. Someone cried, fire, fire. The thatched roof was burning. Samuel and Susanna Wesley began to get all the children out, all 19 of them. They began to rush them out, and Susanna, thinking that all were out, waded them through the sea of fire to the safety of the open air, and it was then they discovered that little John was missing, and above the roar of the flames, they could hear a little voice. His father turned and made for the house, and he tried to climb the flaming staircase, but it crashed beneath his feet. There was no way to the upper part of the house. Little John made his way to the door. He opened it. The flames came in upon him. At last, he climbed to the window ledge. There was no way to get to a ladder. And one of the neighbors bent his back, and another neighbor clampered upon his shoulders. And at last, they, they just managed to get that little boy. He was sitting on the window ledge, and they grabbed him before the roof caved in. In later life, when John Wesley became a man and he started preaching through the country, he always recounted that evening, and he always declared himself to be a brand plucked from the burning. My friend, tonight, to say that you're saved is to say that you're a brand plucked from the burning. Not the burning of an earthly fire, but the burning of an eternal fire. To say tonight that you're saved is to say that you're delivered from sin and from delivered from spending eternity in hell. Wonder have you faced up to this crucial question tonight? Man, are you saved tonight? Are you redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Listen, this is a crucial question, something else. It's a personal question. What must I do to be saved? You see, salvation tonight, it's personal. It's individual. It's a personal and individual matter because all need to be saved. You know, we're all so different in any ways. Our personalities are different. Our temperaments are different. Our dispositions are different. But there's one denominator common to us all tonight. We're all sinners. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. We're sinners tonight. Sinners by birth, sinners by choice, sinners by practice. My friend, tonight, we need to be saved. I'm glad tonight that I'm saved. I'm glad tonight that many of you are saved. But the gospel truth tonight is that all need to be saved. You said to me tonight, preacher, so-and-so needs to be saved. But my friend, you, must, you, know, you need to be saved. You must come to the point where you cry, what must I do to be saved? Notice the jailer didn't ask, what must I do to join the church? He didn't ask, what must I do to live a good life? He didn't ask, what must I do to be religious? He asked, what must I do to be saved? He came to the understanding that he personally needed to get right with God. It was a crucial question. It's a personal question. You'll notice that it was, it was an informational question. Here's a man who's seeking information on how to be saved. He knows that he needs to be saved. He wants to be saved. And he's seeking out someone to point to him the way of salvation. Someone has said that the age in which we live is an age in which we're giving all the answers, but the problem is we're not asking the right question. I tell you, friend, tonight, here's the most important question that you could ever ask. What must, what must I do to be saved? Can you see the awakening of this question? God using the means of preaching, the means of people, the means of pressure. Can you see, my dear friends, the asking of this question, a crucial question, a personal question, an informational question? Ah, but notice tonight, notice not only the awakening of this question, notice not only the asking of this question, notice simply the answering of this question. What did Paul and Silas, what did the servant say to a man who was burdened and broken and bent because of his sin? God's servant said something very simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You know, my dear friends, right away we're introduced here to the person of salvation. Do you know something tonight? Do you know tonight there's only one person who can bring you into a right relationship with God? You know, my dear friends, there's only one person who can deal with the sin question in your life tonight. It's the Lord Jesus. Paul, writing to Christian people, said this, but now in Christ Jesus Ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Do you know what? Salvation is in a Savior. Redemption is in a Redeemer. Conversion is in the Christ. Christ tonight is the answer to your every name. Listen, when they said Lord, they meant he's master. It means he's boss. He's Lord. He's sovereign. I tell you this. You can't be saved tonight until you make him Lord. Do you know what the Bible says? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I wonder tonight, are you willing to crown him as Lord of your life, to acknowledge him as Savior, Sovereign, and Lord from this day forward? When they said Lord, they meant his Master. When they said Jesus, they meant his Mediator. You see, the name Jesus is his earthly name. It means Jehovah saves. It speaks of the one who died on Calvary's cross 
and shed his precious blood for sinners lost. You see, in order for sin to be atoned for, that sin must be paid for, and it was paid in drops of royal ruby blood, the blood of Christ. The Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. When they said Lord, they meant his master. When they said Jesus, they meant his mediator. When they said Christ, they meant his Messiah. For Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means God's anointed one, God's chosen one. There's no other way to be saved tonight. There's only one way through faith in Christ. Peter said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation tonight is not on a creed, it's not on a church, it's not on a cause, it's not on a code, it's in Christ. Oh, you say, preacher tonight, I believe in the plan of salvation. No, my dear friends, you're saved by the man of salvation, and his name is Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Philosophy says tonight, think your way out. Prosperity says, spend your way out. Politics says, legislate your way out. Science says, invent your way out. Industry says, industry says, work your way out. Christ says, I am the way out. Can you see the servants of God? And they're pointing this man who was burdened and broken and bent because of his sin. They're pointing him to the person of salvation, but something else. They're pointing him to the principle of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, my dear friends, it's as simple as that. That's the gospel reduced to its most elementary terms. Belief tonight. Not in a creed, but in the Christ. Not in a statement of faith. Not in baptism. Not in good works. Not in a rite. Not in a ritual. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, that glorious, living, dynamic person who's alive forevermore and who's mighty to see. Great crowd was watching the famous tightrope, the tightrope walker, Blondin, cross Niagara Falls one day, way back in the year 1860. He crossed the falls numerous times. It was a 1,000-foot trip, 160 feet above the raging waters. He asked the crowd if they believed that he could carry one person across on his back over those falls. All of them assented, acknowledged that he could. And then he said to one man, Get on my back. I'll carry you across. The wee man refused. I wonder tonight if that's a picture of you. Do you believe that Christ is able to save you? Yes. Do you believe that Christ is willing to save you? Yes. Do you believe tonight that Christ is the only one who can save you? Yes. Ah, but have you trusted him to do so? This is not belief about the Lord Jesus. This is belief on the Lord Jesus. I know about Christ. I believe about Christ. But now I trust Christ. I wonder, have you ever done that? Have you ever taken that step of faith? Have you, has there been repentance? A turning away from sin? Has there been faith forsaking all? I trust Him. Can you see the servants of God? 
Here's a man on the verge of committing suicide. He's got the sword out. He's about to plunge it into his life. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they point him to the person of salvation. They point him to the principle of salvation. And then they point him to the promise of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. No ifs, no buts, no perhaps. Thou shalt. The moment you take Christ at his word, thou shalt be saved. No one that ever came to Christ was turned away. No one that ever asked the question, what must I do to be saved? From a heart seeking to be saved was rejected. The Lord Jesus says, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I want to tell you tonight, if he doesn't cast you out, he'll take you in. We've been hearing a lot in recent days about the Titanic. You remember that on the 15th of April, 1912, she sank with a loss of what? 1,522 lives. One of those lives was a Baptist preacher by the name of John Harper from Glasgow. He was going to Chicago for meetings in the Moody Memorial Church. And when it became evident that the Titanic was going down, Harper, Harper divested himself of his life jacket and he began to shout, women, children, the lost first. And John Harper's great passion all of his life was to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. And even in the last hours of his life, his concern for the lost was such that he was talking to a young person when that collision took place. Someone described the cries of the more than 1,500 people as they clung to and grabbed for anything they could get their hands on. And for over, 15 minutes, for over 50 minutes, the cries of the perishing could be heard. And as Harper clung to a piece of board for 50 minutes, he cried, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And the last thing that John Harper said before he went down into the icy waters was this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Four years after the Titanic went down, a young man stood up in a meeting in Hamilton, in Ontario. Here's what he said. He said, I'm a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone on that fateful night, the tide brought John Harper of Glasgow beside me on a piece of wreckage. Here's what he said. He said, man, are you saved? He said, no, I'm not. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The waves bore him away, but strange to say, a short time later, the waves brought him back again close to me. And he said, man, are you saved now? He said, no, sir, I'm not. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He says, after that moment, John Harper went down. There he says, alone in the darkness of the night, with two miles of water underneath me, I believed on Christ, and I was gloriously saved. I'm John Harper's last.
hunger. Are you unsaved tonight? You realize that you're facing a worse catastrophe than a sinking ship on a watery grave. You're facing an eternity in the lake of fire lost without Christ. Forever lost. To you I say tonight, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. My friend, death, death is sure. Judgment is inevitable. Hell is a reality. Christ alone can save. Will you come to him? I was reading a little recently about Charlotte Elliott. She was a beautiful pianist. In fact, she used to play at concerts all over the country. On one occasion, a Swedish preacher came to her one evening. And he whispered in her ear at one of her performances, Charlotte, I was thinking, Charlotte, if only you would give your talents to Christ, if only you were saved, what a wonderful blessing you could be to the church. And he said this. He said, Charlotte, you're as deep a dyed sinner as the prostitute on the streets of London. She didn't like it. Oh, she went home and she was angry. She was livid with the preacher. You know what it's like to be angry with the preacher? And that night the Spirit of God wrought in her soul. And she cried to God for mercy. And that out of that experience, she wrote words that have helped millions to come to faith in Christ. Just as I have, without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come just as I am. Thy love unknown has broken every barrier down. Now to be thine. Yea, thy love own. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Will you come? Will you come to Christ? Will you come to the cross? Will you come to Calvary? Will you come now? Let's bow together in prayer. Let's just take that moment or two of quietness as we bring our meeting to a close. We're going to sing our closing hymn in just a moment or two of closing prayer. You'll be on your way. But I just wonder, am I speaking tonight to someone and God has been working in your heart? Maybe this question has been on your lips. What must I do to be saved? 
the answer tonight is simple. It's sure. Thank God it's sublime. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Will you trust him? Thank God you can take him home with you tonight. You can know him as your Savior and Lord. If only you'll turn from your sin, receive him as your Savior. He can be of help to you. The elders are here. I'll be at the door. I'll have a little gospel booklet in my hand entitled, Be in Time. If you're not saved tonight and you'd like one, they're free. Please ask for one. I'm not embarrass you. I'm not buttonhole you. But if you want to talk to us, we're happy to speak with you. May God give you the grace to come. Father, thank you for these few moments around your word. Thank you for the ministry and song. Lord, use both tonight to bring someone to that place where they'll simply say, what must I do to be saved? We ask it for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, let's sing our closing hymn. O sinner, the Savior is calling for thee long, long as he called thee in vain. Called thee when joy lent its crown to thy days. He called thee in sorrow and pain. Let's stand as we sing together.
Our loving Father, we thank thee for thy goodness to us, the sense of thy presence. We thank thee for the great answer to that question. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And we desire that none will leave this building tonight, <coughs> but that they will have settled once and for all the eternal destiny of their soul. Bless thy word to every precious soul that has heard thy truth. Separate us now in thy fear and with thy favor. For we ask these things in the Savior's name.